The topic today is one that I'm really excited about, incorporating families with children into local health evangelism. My goal is to discuss ways children and youth can be mentored in community partnerships, not just with community though, but also with church, understand how to evaluate needs in the local community, how to collaborate with community initiatives already in place, and discuss some of the challenges and ways to meet them when using young people in community outreach initiatives. Um, I had a paradigm shift on nominating committee this year. I had the unfortunate privilege of serving on nominating committee and I realized how hard it can be to find adults willing to work in the children's division. We had a very hard time filling a kindergarten leader and many of the people who we had asked stated that they just didn't have any experience working with that age group. Some people said kids scared them and I realized that in general there is a fear of children many times in our among adults. And so it gave me a paradigm shift because I thought maybe one of the reasons people are scared to work with kids is they've, they've never had the opportunity. What if we started our children in our local church working with kids and leading the kids Sabbath schools. Maybe then as adults, they wouldn't be scared to help in children's Sabbath school when nominating committee comes knocking at their door. And really, this isn't a new concept. Um, I work with pediatric residents in uh, at Erlanger Medical Center, University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. And this discipleship model, this mentoring model, this introduction to skills on a practical level, I do every day um, with residents in a competency-based setting. So I'm going to approach this topic of mentoring children and getting them involved in leadership at an early age and approach it from a residency perspective. But before we do, let's all bow our heads for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that you will be with me as I'm sharing this talk. I pray that you will um, be with the participants and that this can be something that we can all learn together how to get our young people involved in evangelism, in health evangelism, in sharing Jesus with the community. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is me with three residents. Uh, we have uh, two first-year residents and a third-year resident in this picture. And residency is interesting because it's not just a three-year track where you go through and you check off your three years and then you graduate. It's actually a competency-based process where there's mentorship, discipleship, and as residents are seen competent in a skill, they're allowed to advance in, to the next um, to the next skill set. And we don't graduate every single resident at the end of three years. Sometimes residents have to take an extra six months. We've had residents that have had to complete an extra year because we didn't feel that they were yet competent to practice medicine on their own. And really, this is very applicable to children. Children, just like residents, um, have to be discipled, have to be trained. They don't automatically know how to be uh, evangelistic. They don't automatically know how to do health outreach. They don't automatically know how to work with 
children younger than they are. They have to be discipled. And looking at it at, from a competency-based perspective really changes the paradigm shift because it's not just a one-time event. It's a process of helping children learn evangelism. So one of the things we've really started doing at our local church is discipling children for the purpose of working in the community with evangelism. So one of the first things we've, we've been intentional about is discipling children in prayer because prayer is one of the foundation for success in any life or in anything in life. And children don't automatically know how to pray. Adults don't automatically know how to pray. They have to be taught. This is a process. I had to learn how to pray. So we have incorporated prayer in our Sabbath school, starting in cradle roll, kindergarten, um, primary, juniors. We are modeling prayer. We're teaching children how to pray. We are encouraging them to have daily prayer. And then we are involving them in corporate prayer with the goal to bring children and youth to Jesus in prayer so that they can have a solid prayer life, develop a solid prayer life, a competent prayer life as children. Um, so we incorporate this into classroom prayer, starting in, as I said, in Craterall. Um, The ways we do that, we model um, all of our leaders. We work with our leaders to model an active prayer life. We visit with families individually and pray with them. If children aren't coming to Sabbath school, we will go to their home and visit them, pray with them. Now, obviously this was prior to COVID, but I have still kept in touch with um, the children. My, I'm the junior leader. I've still kept in touch with the children during COVID. I've actually called them and prayed with them on the phone. We ask children individually if they know how to pray. Many children don't know how to pray. And so we work with them individually to teach them how to pray. We also have very corporate prayers where we actually do days of prayer and fasting and incorporate children into that. And as you can see, here's a picture from one of our days of prayer and fasting. Obviously post COVID, uh, this has changed slightly, but we still are doing them. They're just obviously outdoors, socially distanced and wearing masks. But uh, here, this was actually our day of prayer and fasting just prior to COVID breaking. Um, and here's some of the activities we've done with them. And it's a whole day, obviously children don't fast because um, that's not good for them. But we talk about fasting from things like TV and other things that they can choose to um, fast from. Um, this is an example of a, of a day of prayer and fasting that we did on the Holy Spirit. We also um, discipline, or excuse me, disciple, not discipline, <laughs> disciple children intentionally on Bible study. And this is very important, especially to help children be prepared to go out as um, evangelists, as health evangelists, and they really need to know how to study the Bible for themselves. And this is something we are very intentional um, with our children at our church. Um, here is one of our Sabbath school lessons. We, we teach children how to have daily devotions. We encourage it in class. We give them, um, we personally provide them a lesson. If children have lost a lesson, we provide them another one. We will ask them how things are going during the week, ask them how they're able to, if they're uh, having trouble studying the Bible. I've actually gone into children's homes and showed them how to study the Bible. We really want them to develop an active um, devotional life and know how to study the Bible for themselves. 
we look at the Sabbath school lesson as an excuse to teach kids how to have their own devotions. And then in the Sabbath school, we also focus on practical applications rather than just regurgitating facts. We also try to always help them have a heart appeal and, know, and realize that devotions is not something, Bible study is not something that we just check off a list, but this is a commitment to Jesus that we're making every single day. If we're going to be evangelists for Jesus, if we're gonna work in our community, we have to have that relationship with Jesus. We have to have a commitment to Jesus if we're gonna win others to Jesus. Um, and then of course, in our Sabbath school class, we try to make it very practical using object lessons, felt songs and other props to drive the lesson home. Um, we are very intentional as well about discipling children in local service. This is very important and children don't automatically know how to do this. So we have done our best to provide practical opportunities for children to learn local service and local health evangelism. So, one of the things we've done is we have a monthly program called Dinner with the Doctor, and we incorporate our children and they are helpers in that program. Here you can see they all have their Dinner with the Doctor shirts. Um, they, they actually wear a uniform. We, um, we have a lot of fun at this program. In fact, we get kids from the community who only come because they, um, we get families from the community who only come because their kids want to help. They enjoy it so much. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this uh, later on in the talk. Um, Sabbath school, really, we look at that as an opportunity to really train children for and discipling them in prayer, discipling them in Bible study, discipling them in service. And we look at it as an all week long event. We want to train our children to be servant leaders. Um, I look at church as something that happens more than. Um, once a week, sorry, that should have been not once a year. Um, practically, you don't master a skill if you only practice it just once a week or once a year. Um, and we want our children to realize that there's more than to leadership than just having preaching a sermon or leading song service. While those are important, we want our children to realize that there's more to leadership than just that. True leaders seek the lowest place to benefit others through service, their servant leaders. And we want to train our youth to be servant leaders by discipling them in age appropriate service roles. Um, so we work very hard at our church to disciple our children in specific servant leadership roles. For example, we have the um, primary children are now working in crater role. So once uh, a month, well, excuse me, every week prior to COVID, things have changed slightly since COVID, but prior to COVID, every week, one child from primary would be serving as a helper in crater role. They would be distributing felts, they would be distributing other items, or they'd be telling the story, but they would be, they were the crater role assistant. And it came out to about every six weeks, um, a child would rotate the same child would rotate back into crater roll because sometimes we would do two children at once if we had a lot of crater roll children. Our juniors help in kindergarten. So our juniors lead kindergarten once a month um, prior to COVID. This has changed slightly since COVID, but they are still involved in helping in kindergarten. Our youth lead out in AYS. We have our children helping with potluck. They help with the cleanup. 
and um, they also help in the kitchen. We have our children greeting. They work with an adult mentor. And obviously a lot of this is pre-COVID. Um, so currently they aren't greeting, but prior to COVID, they were part of the greeting team. And as soon as things um, calm down, we plan to make them greeters again. And then of course, junior deacon and deaconesses, um, our children run the AV booth and we have our children doing music. Anybody that plays an instrument always brings it and we get them involved in song service. Um, and um, basically my kids have always brought their violins to church for the last four years. They're always playing. We just put all the kids on the front row. We probably have nine, sometimes 10 kids all playing their violins. It's really fun. Um, community service, um, we'll talk a little bit more about, but dinner with the doctor, something that we have incorporated our children in. They are helpers, they, they bust the tables, they help with the setup, they help with the cleanup, and we intentionally teach them how to get to know people at the table they're busing. So we give them specific questions that they're to ask the people at the tables and um, so that they can actually start engaging with them and learning how to be friendly to people. They don't automatically know how to be friendly, but we work with them. We have homeless ministries. Um, we actually, our church will sponsor a homeless family for a week where they actually stay at our church and our children go in and we actually spend a night with the homeless family. Um, Samaritan Center is a place that a local community service center that our children help at. Best Way is a health program that we do. We have our children helping with the greeting. They also help um, distribute food and they help uh, with the Best Way program. We take them for, um, to advertise our health programs, to also invite people to evangelistic meetings. And we have a great kid turnout when we go door to door. And then we also take our kids on Bible studies. Um, I've been doing Bible studies with several people in the community and my kids have just always come along with me to the Bible studies and they actually help me give the Bible studies. And it's been great because they're, they're learning that really it's not scary to give a Bible study. It's actually really fun. And they connect with the people that we're studying with. Um, something else we had our youth do was actually lead the camp meeting kindergarten program. I've been kindergarten leader of the camp meeting for several years and I got the kids to actually help with that. They were kind of like um, junior leaders and they loved it. And that actually, um, the year we started doing that, we had the least behavioral problems from the kindergarten kids we had in all the years I was doing it. We had the best behaved kindergarten class. It was really fun. So here's some pictures. These are all the kids helping with dinner with the doctor. You can see it can sometimes be mass chaos, but it's lots of fun. And they really get into it. Trudy LaFlair is the one who directs the kids. Um, here we are going door to door. The kids like it so much. We go, we have gone when it's pouring rain. We have gone when it's snowing. We have gone when it's hot and everybody felt like they were dying from heat exhaustion, but we've always had a great turnout. The kids love going door to door. This is the kindergarten program that we did. Here's child, uh, I circled the child helpers. We divided the kids into squares and these children were each responsible for, I don't know, five, six kids um, in each square. They were responsible for keeping them quiet, keeping them lined up, and they did a great job. They had a love, wonderful time. Here's kids, um, some of our kids leading out in AYS. Um, AYS stands for Adventist Youth Services, for those who don't know, and it's usually a um, Vespers program on Saturday nights. 
Um, here's the juniors leading kindergarten. Um, they do everything. Uh, we help, we teach them how to tell stories. We teach them how to, um, uh, how to deal with unruly children. We have safety counseling. We teach them how to keep kids safe. Um, they do the crafts. Um, we coach them, but they do everything. Uh, here's the community service project we're working on where we completely cleaned out somebody's house. So we try very hard to disciple kids in local service opportunities. Um, we also work on discipling children on global missions. Here um, is a mission. And the practical way to do that is to take them on mission trips. Here are my two kids. When we went to, um, we did furlough relief for a family in um, Malawi. And it was a great experience for my kids to realize that there are other needs in, all over the world. And it was also a great opportunity for them to learn about other cultures. And they had a wonderful time. Um, we do big 13th Sabbath programs with our kids at our church. Just um, again, we really want them to realize that we are in a worldwide community and we want them to feel a part of that. These are uh, three, um, my son is over here, one of the three wise men. Um, so discipling children, we like, we really work hard at discipling children in prayer, Bible study, service, local service, global missions, and then fellowship. Children don't automatically know how to be friendly. They have to be discipled and taught how to be friendly. Um, this is Thanksgiving dinner actually at our house. Uh, we invited, I think we had about 50 people from the church show up, but it was really fun. And we are intentionally trying to teach our children in our church how to be friendly to other children who are new. And one of those ways is by intentionally inviting people over to our home and to our to various homes in the church and showing them how to be friendly to people and how to be friendly to visitors. Children don't automatically go up and greet visitors. It's not something you automatically do. You have to train them. You have to disciple them. You have to teach them how. And so that's something we're really working on is teaching them how to make friends with people who are different from them, who aren't like them. And um, that's something that we're really striving to do. So practical application, can the experiment be reproduced? Um, is this something that's just unique to my particular situation, or is this something that can be done elsewhere? And I believe it absolutely can elsewhere. So how do you evaluate needs in your local community? And how do you collaborate with community initiatives already in place so that you can get your children involved in health evangelism and mentor them in reaching your community? Well, here's some things that we have done, and I highly recommend that you do in your local community. Here in Chattanooga, we have neighborhood associations and they have meetings. And so we've attended those meetings and gotten to know our neighbors and find out the needs in our community. Um, I've actually talked to the neighborhood association president where our local church is and said, hey, what are some needs in the community? What can we do to meet them? Um, serve on local civic boards. Again, that's another great way to find out needs in your community um, I'm serving on a, a, one of the um, civic boards here in the area, and it's a great opportunity to network with other people and find out what are the needs and how can 
we get our youth involved to help them. Um, our dinner with the doctor has partnered with local health, uh, local health care facility. And that also has, um, they've provided funding for um, a lot of the programs that we're done, that we're doing, that we're getting our kids involved. And then we also allow community members to participate and help with the programs. There are some people that attend our Dinner with a Doctor programs that bring their kids. And the only reason they're coming is because their kids really enjoy helping with our Dinner with a Doctor program. So that brings the parents. Um, we've uh, also allowed other community members to help with us, help us cook food in our home. We've invited other community members into our home and um, they've helped us cook with cooking food, with advertising, and it's been a great way for us to help our children partner with communities. Um, some of the challenges that we have faced and ways we have met them using young people and community outreach initiatives. I will tell you it is harder, but it is more rewarding, and we've had some challenges. Um, I'll give you kind of a funny little example. Um, we have a uh, large Jane community that we are working with in the Chattanooga area, and they come to our dinner with the doctor programs. They really like the kids, and they invited at least four different families over at the same time with all the kids over to um, their house for an Indian meal. They wanted all the kids to have authentic Indian food. So um, we were really excited, and the kids were really excited, and it, but it hadn't occurred to me that they might be faced with food that they didn't like. And um, we were served warm spiced mango juice, which in many cultures is a delicacy for American children, that's gross. <laughs> and so they didn't know what to do with it. And I was really, um, the parents, uh, I mean, I of course drank it because I, I, I had no problem getting it down and it was actually pretty good. And a lot of par the parents had no problem. We looked over at the table and were horrified to see our children trying to figure out what to do with the mango juice. And it suddenly occurred to me, we hadn't really prepared them on what to do with food they didn't like in a new setting. But I, we all, all adults were praying quietly and praise the Lord, all the kids were able to get the juice down and they didn't um, give any complaints and it turned out to be a good thing. But uh, we realized that we really needed to work on prepping our children on what to do in those situations. Um, but they have really connected well with the, the Jane population. The Jane, they really love our children and it's been interesting to see how they've connected well. Um, hygiene can be an issue when you have children helping with a health program. Um, I have had kids trying to serve food barefoot and I've had to go and run after them and like put some shoes on and um, yes, you need to wear gloves and we make our kids wear gloves and we make them wear hairnets um, many times if they have really long hair. We're, we're very, very conscious of hygiene. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard. You have, you have to be very vigilant. I've had to tell some kids who showed up to help with snot coming out their nose, like, nope, you're not helping today, but we'll give you another activity to do. And, immediately sequester them from the other children. And, you know, just little things like that. You just have to think ahead and communicate with parents, remind parents if a child is sick, this is not a great time to bring them to help. And you just have to be very vigilant and not afraid to tell people no, which I'm not. And so um, that, that's some of the issues that you do have to think about with hygiene. 
reliability children are as reliable as their parents. So not every parent is reliable, therefore not every child is reliable and you can't hold children accountable for parents' um, irresponsibility. So you do have to build in redundancy. Um, with, uh, with every child helper, I always try to um, have a, a multiple kid backups because many times I've had kids not show up or something come up. And, but as long as I built redundancy into the situation, it's okay. I will say though that kids do take their responsibility seriously and when they are treated like adults um, in the sense that they're given the uh, ability to or they're given the opportunity to have responsibility they really do take it seriously and run with it but sometimes you know they can't drive themselves places so things are often beyond their control. Supervision is extremely important um, we always try to make sure that we have multiple redundant adult helpers to supervise children because, I mean, they're kids. You can't expect them to be perfect. <laughs> they're going to be noisy. There's going to be mistakes. There's stuff going to be dropped, but you, um, and that's okay. Um, but you do also have to make sure that nothing bad happens. We live in an evil age and you do have to provide adequate supervision to make sure that there's no bullying that goes on that there's no um, sexual misconduct that goes on. You just have to be aware and you have to um, make sure that the children are adequately supervised and not left alone. Um, and occasionally you will have unruly children. We've had that. Um, and those children, I've done my best to work with them. And if it's to the point where they're affecting other children, I have had to ask the parent to not bring those children because um, you, you have to, um, you have to be able to control and uh, to manage the children, not control them, but manage them and guide them direct and direct them. And if you have a child that's absolutely oppositional, defiant, and not willing to, to cooperate and leading other children to have that same uncooperative attitude that's going to derail your program and they, they do have to be um, removed. But most of the time um, you are, if, if you work with a child one-on-one, -on -one, and give them age-appropriate responsibilities, they do rise to the occasion. And I will tell you, I've only had it one situation with one family where we've had to ask them not to come back. And that, that's only been one time. The vast majority of children are fine. And then it's important to make sure that you keep things to developmental expectations. Um, children are not many adults. Um, they don't have the abstract uh, reasoning. So when you ask them to do something, you have to remember to keep it developmentally appropriate. Um, that's one of the reasons, for example, we have primary kids helping in crater roll rather than helping in kindergarten because really primary is just a step above kindergarten, barely older than kindergarten. And primary is still very concrete thinking. And crater roll is definitely concrete thinking. Or juniors, juniors can be a little more responsible and that's why we have them helping in kindergarten. Juniors are much, um, um, have the capability of telling lesson stories have the capability of um, participating more. So in conclusion, before and then I'll open it up for any questions or comments. Um, how can you duplicate this in um, your church or your home or your community? Start small. We started very small when we first um, began this. There were just a few kids and um, it's amazing how quickly other kids just got excited and came in and now we're huge. We have lots and lots of children, but it didn't start that way. 
And it had it started that had it started big, I don't think we would have learned. Um, I, I don't think we could have handled it because there was a lot of growing and learning that went along with this. So start small. Um, Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, who has despised the day of small thing, excuse me, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Um, God chose in 1 um, Corinthians 1, it says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Delegate. It's really important to delegate. Um, I do not do this alone. I have a team of people that are amazing. And I have really appreciated how they have jumped in and helped. You can't, you, you have to be willing to trust other people to help you and delegate responsibility. And, you know, in First Corinthians, that's really what it talks about. It talks about how the, we're members of a community, we're members of a church, and all of us are together. Study blueprint. This is really important. Um, because God really does give us great instruction on how to get our young people involved, how to get them involved in health evangelism, how to get them involved in the community. And so study what God has written. Um, and that will really, I found that really has kept me from making some big mistakes. And when I have made mistakes, it's helped help me fix them. And then claim God's promises. Um, I have made many mistakes. I have done things really wrong, but when I have, I've just claimed God's promise that he will help us and he will save our children. Um, and that's just a promise that I claim. And in the process of saving our children, I'm praying that he'll save the community that my children are in as well. So success comes from experience. Experience comes from failures, but failures come from trying. And the only way we can have success is when we try and fail, but keep trying and gain experience. So I encourage you to get your kids um, in your local church, or even if you don't, if you just have a few kids, get them involved, bring them along, disciple them, and you will be amazed at how they will grow in their maturity and their ability to do things. And ultimately, be winning souls for Jesus. The hour is late. We don't have much time left on this earth. I truly believe that our young people are going to finish the work, and I want to be doing everything I can to be discipling them so they're prepared to take the mantle when those who are older um, have to lay it down. All right. What questions or comments, or I'd be interested if anybody has some things that they're doing that work. I have very few in our church. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they're pretty much kindergarten, just under primary age. So Kiana, when we first started our program, we had mostly kindergarten kids. And so we had to do things that were age appropriate for kindergarten primary kids. Um, and they've just sort of grown up doing, doing work like this. Um, but we had to start with things that were age appropriate that they could do. And uh, obviously some of the things we're able to do now, we weren't able to do at the very beginning. The other thing that I've been excited about though 
is how many times community children get excited and want to get involved when they see church kids um, doing outreach and doing other things. And that's been really exciting. So sometimes it can grow your church. Awesome. Um, any other comments? All right. Well, this concludes my presentation. Thank you so much for um, attending and may God be with you all as you work to get kids involved in health evangelism, get them involved in your church and work with them on um, mentoring them to be our future leaders. God bless. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.